Hello everyone and welcome again and um, thank you for joining us again this week and we pray as we meet around God's word that you will be encouraged and challenged and built up in your faith if you are a Christian and believe in the Lord Jesus as your saviour and we pray that if you haven't trusted the Lord yet that today you will place your trust in him. Feel free to message us anytime if you have any questions or you would like to know, know more about God. Just feel free to message us, private messages, and we will endeavour to get back. But as well, please say hi and where you are. And we're very happy that you've joined with us right now. There's a couple of verses in Philippians chapter four, verses eight to nine. And I remember when my children were young, little, if they woke up, if they were frightened or had any um, nightmares, I used to read these verses to them. Because in the midst of what we're going through in this pandemic, we get anxious, we get afraid, it becomes chaotic and our mind wanders everywhere and we wonder what's going to happen, you know, when is this ever going to, you know, be lifted when is it ever going to go away you know and um gets a bit frightening sometimes especially if you're lonely or you're very alone and you haven't got maybe family or friends or neighbors that you can even call into so if you're there today please just feel encouraged that we're praying for you and that you can join with us now it's lovely so the bible reads finally whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So to know that God of peace, think on those things, think on the things like the promises of God, think on, you know, your the hope that we have in God when we place our trust in him. Think of the wonderful things that God has done for us. And, you know, it'd be really lovely if you could just print out this verse and put it up somewhere in your house and just keep reading it and just think of the things that purify your mind and that don't bring all these negative thoughts and discouragement into our lives. But anyway, I know it's not easy to do, but... We're thankful that it's God's word and his word changes our hearts and lives. So let's pray and I'll hand it over to Keith. We thank you, Lord, for your wonderful promises. We thank you for those who belong to you. That, Lord, you will never leave us nor forsake us. We pray, Lord, that you will encourage each family member, each person who is listening to this message today. Lord, for friends and, Lord, for those who are struggling anxiety or stress or just health issues just worrying Lord about the future holds pray Lord that they'll read these verses and think of the wonderful promises that you have provided through your word Lord we know we need each other and we thank you for each other and we thank you Lord that you know the future and that we can walk with you day by day even though maybe it looks a little bleak to us Lord you know exactly Lord what's in store and Lord, you have already gone before us, so we're thankful. But Lord, there are people we need to pray for, Lord. We need to pray for, Lord, those who are in the medical world who are working tirelessly every day, Lord, just to protect and help those who are ill. 
Lord, we thank you for those who are preaching your word, Lord, around the world in many places that we don't even know about, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for the many churches that are being birthed, Lord, and many people that are serving you today. So, Lord, and for those who are not well, as we've been thinking about earlier, Lord, we pray that they will find healing, Lord, and strength that they need daily, Lord. We just thank you that we can bring these people before you. So, Lord, just continue on with us now and help us to learn through your word and just comfort those who need comforting, Lord, today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Great to be with you again. Trust you've had a, an amazing week. Uh, trust you've known the goodness of the Lord and that um, you've experienced his blessing and ministry as uh, you, you've walked with him. We're continuing our studies in the book of James, and um, we're in James chapter 1, verses 5 to 11. So if you want to have uh, that text open, it would be a help as we just work our way through it. We'll, we'll come to the verses as we go. But, you know, the, the, the topic is wisdom and wealth. We're thinking about uh, you and I uh, having godly wisdom, and we're thinking about handling our finances in a godly, honorable manner. So let, let's ask the question first of what exactly is wisdom? It's a pretty uh, unusual question. It's an incredible question. And, and how we answer that question actually determines partially our wisdom, which uh, may prove that we're not as wise as uh, maybe we think we ourselves to be. Let me give you this definition of wisdom. Wisdom is a, a deep understanding and realization of people, things, events, or situations resulting in the ability to apply perceptions, judgments, and actions in keeping with this understanding. So we, we discover a lot, we learn a lot, and then we apply that in life is really what we're been told there. Now, James steps in to help, uh, help these Jewish believers understand wisdom here. So he opens his uh, text, our text today, with his comments in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously or liberally to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And so from, from what we have previously grasped about trials coming into our lives, and now we begin to recognize that it will be uh, godly wisdom that can take us on a journey to enable us to walk through those trials. It's important, so important that we really get this wisdom from God and that we live in the light of that wisdom. So that's, that's a major step. Now, the, the thing here is that we cannot ask God what we can do in every circumstance in life unless we have this wisdom that he give, that He wants to give to us and unless we're willing to really um, believe that wisdom, follow that wisdom. And where do we get that wisdom from? We have to go to the word of God. We've got a, God gives us this wisdom by the Holy Spirit who gives it via scripture because we believe that all scripture is definitive, is a finalized statement, uh, what God says he means he will do. So we have to come to scripture to get an understanding of this wisdom. So as we've stated, if we need wisdom, and let's be honest, we probably all need wisdom. If we need wisdom, then let's ask God. Let's ask God for that. We need to come to a place of realizing the need that we have. And so we ask God to help us in our time of need. And to ignore this and to just do our own thing, if you want, it's really a form of sin. It's really saying, God, we don't need you. We can do this on our own. We're going to make this on our own. So we don't need your wisdom. We've got enough of our own. 
it'll be sin. And sin will always keep us from the truth. So our not going to God for wisdom, uh, seeking his wisdom, is keeping us from his truth. We read in 1 John 1 verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, that is, if you as a believer say that I've got fellowship with God, then uh, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So God wants to give us this wisdom to bring us into his light so we can live for his glory in this life. And if we say we don't need that, then we're continuing to walk in darkness and we lie and we're not practicing the truth. You see, our sin will always blind us and our sin will always keep us from seeking the truth and from following the truth and believing the truth. To overcome our, ten, uh, our tendency to do this, God invites all who know his son Jesus as their savior to, to walk in the light as he is in the light in 1 John 1 verse 7. Now that's wisdom. That's wisdom from God, that we will walk in the light as he is in the light, as Jesus is in the light, as God is in the light, as the spirit is in the light, that we'll walk there. So we have to do that. If we ask God for wisdom, I believe and convince according to scripture, God is going to give us that wisdom. According to verse 5 of our text, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all, that would include you and I who ask, without reproach, and it will be given him. Now, as we consider this action, let's remember that the, the, the focus is not upon ourselves, but rather the focus must be upon the generous nature of God who graciously provides his wisdom for you. Don't think, well, I've got this wisdom, so I'm somebody now. No, you've got to think, hey, God has graciously chosen to give his wisdom to me. <clears throat> Remember, God is a giving God. He loves to give. He even gave his only begotten son to, to die for us in Calvary. So that's how much he loves us. So he's not going to hold anything back from us. And then in verse 6, um, we, we have explained to us, James explains to us, as to how we should go about getting or asking God for this wisdom. He says, let him ask in faith with no doubting, with no doubt. James is here emphasizing that we, we have to come to God for wisdom with a belief, with a faith. We have to recognize that, that God is more, more than capable of giving wisdom to every believer as we need it. And he's also willing to give uh, wisdom to us as, as, we have, as we request that wisdom from him. So when we say, Lord, I need your wisdom. I've got this circumstance. I need your wisdom in life. He's more than willing to give it to us. But we come by faith. Our faith is one of active obedience. God has told us to ask for wisdom. And then by asking of him, we become obedient to him. That's where every believer should want to live. As a believer, you should want to live obediently in faith to God. Now, our asking this of God is to be in faith or by faith. That's what we're told. And this is our struggle, I think. This is where we, we can come undone as believers. This is our issue. You see, faith has no doubt connected to it. Um, I want to uh, read this incredible story to you. Way back in 1519, with some 600 men, 16 or so horses, and 11 boats, Hernan Cortez landed on a vast island plateau now called Mexico. They had come from Spain to the New World in search of some of the world's greatest treasure there. But with only 600 men and with no protective armor, conquering another empire so extensive was very, very unlikely. Instead of charging through cities and forcing his men to immediate battle, Cortes stayed on the beach and uh, awoke the souls of his men with emblazoned speeches and geniusly designed to urge on the spirit of adventure and invoke a, a thirst for lifetimes of fortune amongst his troops. 
His orations apparently bore great fruit, for what was supposedly a military exploit now took on an extravagant romance in the imaginations of the troops. Ironically, it was not the eloquent preaching that led to the ultimate victory of those adventurers. It was just three words that would change the history of the new world. Listen to them. As they, as they marched inland to face their enemies, Cortes ordered, burn the boats. They did, and thereby they eradicated any possibility of retreat from the, the minds of their troops. They had to commit themselves unwaveringly to the, the, the cause, win or die. Retreat was no longer an option. The boats were burned. To live by faith for the, the, the glory of God, that's exactly what it is. It's a commitment. It's, it's no doubt. It's burning the boats and saying, I'm trusting God here to meet this need. I'm trusting God to impart his wisdom. So to live by faith for the glory of God, we have to be solidly established in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because Jesus is the rock of our faith. Here's what Matthew 7, 24 to 25 says. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, Jesus speaking, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house in the rock. So he's telling his followers, his listeners, if you take these words on board, you will be wise. You'll be like a wise man. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So when we're founded in Jesus Christ, then we can get this wisdom because we belong to God. He imparts this wisdom to us as we ask. And so our, when the storms of life come, when the trials, when the persecution, when the afflictions come, we're confident of who we are and who he is. And we say, Lord, in your wisdom, I understand this will happen to me, but I'm walking with you. Now, the point that James is making is simply that our faith in Jesus has to be absolutely doubt-free. So he continues in verse 6. The one who doubts is like a, a wave tossed by the wind. If you stand at the ocean, you'll see the waves being, being tossed to and fro by the wind. Uh, basically, James is saying that the believer who doubts God's ability or willingness to provide this wisdom is like a wave on the ocean tossed to and fro by every which way the wind blows. So he says, don't look at it like that. Instead, believers say, God will give me his wisdom. God is the source of this wisdom. I come to him. And by that he means you can't be double-minded. These people are double-minded if they go elsewhere for this wisdom. If you go to the world seeking wisdom, if you go to university, all these places which are good and fine, but if you're seeking only that wisdom, then James calls you a double-minded man in verse 8. Yeah, it's a literal interpretation of the, the Greek expression used here uh, refers to someone whose mind or soul is divided between God and the attractions of the world. I hear what God says. He tells me he will give me his wisdom, but, but wait a minute. I can get something here that looks really good, is immediate, and is practical for me. It suits me. So we go there. You know, long before, long before this time, Jesus had addressed the issue of being double-minded in a Sermon on the Mount. No one, he said, no one can serve two masters because that'd be a double-minded person. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon in Matthew 6, 24. You cannot serve God and the world is what James is emphasizing right here. So I want to encourage you today. I want you to be willing as a believer to recognize you need godly wisdom in your life. You need this discernment. You need this going forward. You need this belief that God will provide all my needs and he's going to provide this wisdom for me as I ask him. So Lord, I come to you today and I bring myself and I say, Lord, will you give me your wisdom? 
why don't we take a moment and just pray right now and have you just ask for that wisdom to take you through this day. And then we're going to continue on with our message. So let me invite you to pray. I'll pray for you too. And just seek God and get, ask him for his wisdom in your life, in your world, in your circumstances today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the teaching of James and uh, seeking wisdom from yourself. Just pray, Lord, for all these listeners that they will call on you for your wisdom. And Lord, that you will impart godly wisdom, your wisdom to them, enabling them to walk in this life today as temptations, as trials, as persecution comes their way. Lord, help them have your wisdom to know how to deal with all these things and to deal with them for your glory. Bless them, we pray. Amen. I want to continue on now. Um, thinking about wealth, thinking about finance. So in verses 9 to 11, James is uh, addressing the issue of being rich or being poor. He says, you're, you're one of those. It's, it's one or the other in that sense. Um, we know in society it's quite different, but in that particular day, there wasn't the, the sort of um, the, the extent of society. There's more of a division in there. And all of us need God's wisdom in relation to our finances. You see, just as we cannot love God and the world, neither can we love God and money or materialism. And yet, I think many of us believers try to do that. We, we try to convince ourselves it's okay to have all this wealth to be used of God in some way in the midst of it all. Jesus even said this in Matthew 19, 24. He emphasized that it would be easy, easier for a camel to pass through the avon needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Now, that's pretty serious. <clears throat> I mean, a camel getting through the avenue needle is impossible. His point is, <clears throat> it's going to be almost impossible for the wealthy man, the rich man, to get into heaven. Because he, he loves his riches and he wants to protect and maintain those riches. I've never met anyone who's got wealth yet that doesn't want to protect it in some way. Uh, and they're always falling in the stocks and shares and all that stuff. And I see believers do this, that they, they get so involved and so imbibed in that 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 takes up their world. That's exactly, I think, what James is talking about. That's the wrong way to be. You see, we just know that, we, we know that God looks on the heart in preference to your external appearance. So he's not looking saying, you're wealthy, you're poor. He's looking at the heart and he's saying, how you handle this, how you handle all of this is how I'm going to treat you, how I'm going to walk with you. So James writes of the, the lowly brother glorying in his exaltation in verse 9. And by this he means that those in humble circumstances, they can be proud and claim heaven awaits them and so on too. But remember those words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 20 and 21, where your treasure is. He's telling all who follow him, irrespective of their circumstances, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, because that's where you want your heart to be. Our heart as a believer should be for God and for his honor, for his glory, for his ministry. Those in humble circumstances can rejoice, and they should rejoice, because the best is yet to come if they're storing up treasures in heaven. As they walk with God, are they storing up treasures in heaven? So whatever your circumstances today, as you listen, are you storing up treasures 
in heaven is the question. And in verse 10, James considers the humiliation of being rich, of someone being wealthy. He suggests it to be unwise for the, the wealthy to glory in their wealth. Uh, that thought contradicts everything that society dictates to us. We look to them, we see who's the wealthiest person in the world, I believe it's Elon Musk currently. Um, who's the, the second wealthiest? Then we go to preachers and we say, who's the wealthiest preacher bringing them down here and so on? Uh, and these people have incredible riches. They live amazing lifestyles in that sense. But according to the word of God, there's a massive question over that. How are they handling those finances? How are they using them? How are they helping the poor? Are they helping underprivileged? Are they really stepping out and saying, this is for God? How are they doing all of that? So, so James compares riches to the flowers of the field, which are beautiful when they're in full bloom. He says, but, but they're only temporal. They're not going to last. And his point is, rich person, your riches will not last. They will be taken from you someday at death, and you will go into eternity. So where you go is determined by how you're living currently. And soon, uh, those flowers that he talks about will wither and die, and their beauty will be no more. And so it's going to be with that, that wealth of ours. It might presently be, be beautiful and enjoyable, but it is only a temporal thing. One day our wealth will be no more. And so James writes in verse 11 that just like the flower that, that perishes or fades, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. It doesn't matter in the, previous, in the next decade or next century, if there is one, what your riches were. You'll not be here. You'll be a forgotten person. But... The question is, will you be with God or will you be lost eternally? And the parable then of the rich fool who planned to tear down his, his barns and build bigger and better ones to hold his wealth, the Lord said that on that night, his soul would be required of him. And Jesus concludes that story with these words in Luke 12, 21. So he lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the seriousness of this. So this is where we need a lot of wisdom. We need wisdom to handle our wealth. I, I know we, we don't think that's us, but let's ask ourselves honestly, are we guilty of doing something similar with our wealth and um, that we're sort of um, not using it for God's glory, if you want? <clears throat> James exhorts the wealthy not to place their own confidence in their wealth. Instead, they should use that wealth to glorify God and further his causes, be sacrificial in all of it. And his point is this, whether we're rich or poor, we as believers belong to the Lord. He appears, James appears to advocate a life of contentment with our circumstances in preference to our being covetous and desiring what others have. Oh, I'd be so happy if I had this. Oh, if I had that, it'd be great. If we had this, it'd be wonderful. And we expect God to bless us. And there's a teaching today that says God will do, but it's a false teaching. It's wrong because we learned last week that, that God puts us through trials and testings and sufferings. And as we go through the book of James, we're going to see real practical core, core hard Christianity at work. It's going to be a, a challenge for us to understand all, all that how we should live as believers, and what exactly James is portraying at times. So James calls us, as redeemed of Jesus, to practice godly wisdom that glorifies God in the handling of our finances so that they're used for God's glory. So I want to ask you today, you've had a prayer this morning, and you said, yes, Lord, I want your wisdom. As you get that wisdom, God's going to convict you, the Spirit will convict you about how you use your finances. 
So I trust that you will use those finances to bring glory to God. You'll use those finances to extend his name to the ends of the earth. You will use those finances to reach other people with the gospel. You will use those finances for all that God in, uh, invites you to be involved in according to his word led by the spirit of God because he's given you godly wisdom. And so he's given you finances as well. He says, put these two things together and bring glory to me. I really believe that's the message, the practical message of this portion of James. Put wisdom and wealth together and glorify me. It's a challenge for us. It's difficult. It, it, it's unusual. It's a different format of thinking. I just believe it's biblical. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray that you'll minister and bless each and every listener. Pray, Lord, that you will enable us to use our finances well for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I pray that as we glean your wisdom that you impart to us, then, Lord, you'll, you'll show us how to use these finances and not be for self. It'll be for you. Lord, you're entrusting them to us, and we ask that you will just minister to us now and bless us and use us as we um, work as a, a people saying, Lord, take this life and bring glory to your name from it. I believe that's the message of James. So we glorify today, Lord. We ask your blessing upon all these listeners, and we pray, Lord, that each one of us will walk with you, follow you, uh, encourage one another, and indeed, Lord, that we'll see your hand ministering to us in these very practical, yet amazingly spiritual ways. Be glorified. We praise your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening once again, and um, we're going to continue on the book of James, so trust that you'll be blessed, trust that you'll be encouraged, and trust that you'll um, have a great week, and indeed uh, that you'll practice uh, seeking Godly wisdom and putting it together with your, your wealth and uh, using all of it for God's glory. Be blessed. Thanks for listening, folks.